Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. On this podcast, Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Homeland Book One in the Drizdilwerden series, uh, chapters 7 through 13, before listening to this episode. That way, you can read along with our conversation. This is episode 101 of Death Readers. Do we have any housekeeping? Uh, no. No, no, I also no. I also don't have any housekeeping. All right, check out our Patreon at Death Re- pa- Patreon slash Death Readers. There you go. Also, uh, share our podcast with people. That'd be cool. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, let's see what else you can do. You could you our loyal listeners could print out flyers. Uh, that have our information on them, like where to find death readers and your favorite episode title. And maybe you could like take the episode title and like create a little bit of artwork for that episode title. Like what you think it is. Like, have you ever seen those, like those, uh, I don't know if they're real or not, but there's this thing online you can find called like African, uh, movie posters. And the idea is that these, these places where they, they wouldn't get, they would get these films that they would show, but they didn't like, they didn't get the poster material, so these places that would show the movies would have someone, like, mock up their own movie poster. So you'd end up with things that, like, don't make any sense. Like, you'd have, like, uh, this is not one that's, that's real, but it would be fun if it was. It would be, like, uh, the Jurassic Park T-Rex, like, charging through the, the trees, and then, and then there's the Jeep. But instead of the Jeep, it's, like, uh, the Dukes of Hazard car. But in, <laughs> in, in, and instead of, like, uh, Malcolm and uh, Gennaro and... Uh, ellie driving it's just like mars attacks aliens or something and it just makes no sense like why is this happening but but it's like and then it'll say something like uh dinosaur park jurassic and it'll it just it like that that'll be the title so there's all these things you can find online of these pictures so i want that for our shows where you take our episode titles and then extrapolate a uh, piece of art from them i love it i love that <laughs> Um, and then you can either drop those off in your local bus station or, uh, adult novelty store, anywhere you think people would be interested in listening to our show bookstore. That might be a good one. Uh, and, and, you know, help us spread the word. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) but grassroots style only with hard copy. Yeah. Or spam email. Sure. I totally endorse someone else doing how to program a bot. Go for it. Well, if we don't have any housekeeping, um, Let's get started on our second episode of Book One, Drizzt Orden, Homeland. I think we start with Chapter Seven, Dark Secrets. All right. I don't have a lot of notes this episode, do, so I'm going to have a sum up. I got summaries, though. Oh, good. Uh, so in this chapter, Dark Secrets, uh, Alton of the former House Devere, the current faceless ma- master of the sorce- uh, sorcery or sorce, I don't know how to pronounce so- it. I had a I had a way I was pronouncing it that sounded so sorry. Epic in my head. Yeah, I think it was like so sorry, but I don't remember now. And his assistant Ma- his assistant Massage attempt to spell attempt a spell to speak with the dead. They attempt to contact Alton's mother to learn the secret name of the drow house that destroyed his own. The spell succeeded and the dr- and uh, uh Alton spoke with his dead mother but did not learn the name of her killers before the conversation was interrupted by an un- underworld beast known as a Yolkal. Yolkal, sorry. Yolkal are gross waxy demons and who are servants of Loth, the Spider Queen. 
which sounds like such a stupid sentence. The <laughs> Yoklal told Alton to stop meddling with the eternal torment of his matron and to never reach out to her again. Then the demon sprayed Alton with a fountain of spiders from its mouth and Alton and Massage ran away after Alton cast a fireball uh, on the ground that burned all the spiders away. I'm sure that makes Loth the spider queen quite happy. That's the summary. Um, is this also where we learned about what uh, what Alton's mom did to piss her off? Uh, no, I think that's later. That's later. later. Okay. That's what that's what the gnomes, right? Yeah, the, the that's way later. Gnomes. Okay. Um, let me see here. Although I don't know where later that is because I didn't. That, I know that's not a note I took, but that's, no, that's something fine. we do learn. Okay. Yeah. No notes. Oh no, I've got some notes. Oh, oh dude, I, I, I have literally no notes. Not well. Right. I have one note I think for the entire episode. <laughs> so here's my first note. Okay. This magical cat that comes uh, yeah. out of the statue. Right. Is this like a specific character, like Cringer, like a character you knew about, or is this the D and D thing? I don't know that... what you're talking about because there's no cat in these epi- in this chapters. Is there not? They talk about it. Not in these chapters. They talk about it. When? He says. Um, Massage, is that how you say it? I, that's how I said it. Could summon his special cat, but he likes to only use it for oh, special occasions. And right. Huh, interesting that I keep having that thought when I'm around Alton. Mm-hmm. And that it is tied to the idol he took. Mm-hmm. So based on that information, mm-hmm. there is a spectral cat that he can summon. Man, I haven't read about it in this book yet. Oh, he's a bitch. So I don't know. All I All I know is that he says he likes to summon it when he's in real trouble, which seems to happen a lot when Alton's around. That's the best I can tell you. All right. I'm going to keep an eye on this. I'm sure that it will. I'm sure it's just a thing that they say. It's like, it's not something that's ever going to become an increasingly significant part of the story. Uh, at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, books are called, it's, it's the Drizdil Orden series saga or whatever. It's not, Drizdil Orden and Snaggletooth. It's it's like so like even if that even if this well, it's, it's He Man and the Masters of the Universe. It's not He Man and Cringer. Yeah, it's not like I don't know if like right now what I can tell you is I haven't seen a cat, and therefore it's very unlikely, don't you think, mm-hmm. that a cat would just magically show up and then become a persistent companion to Drizdil Orden through the entire series. That seems unlikely. At this really, point, really, because I'm gonna see, I'm gonna say and, it seems very likely, and especially considering that Driz doesn't even have this cat toy idol thing, he doesn't even have that. So, like, it well, just like the odds, the odds are real low. I would say, somehow, I would say, arguably, by the end of these chapters, the odds are a little better. But okay, fine. Here's my next note. I wonder. Is Mistress Malice and Dinan? I wonder if they're going to keep their word, or if they had kept their word and gave the Faceless One, who they don't know is now Alton, the healing salve. Or if they didn't. I'm guessing they didn't. To do what? Seal his face? Uh, yeah, that was why he was meeting with Dinan early on. They were gonna. He was. He was part of this whole thing, and and that Mistress Malice was going to give him the salve that would fix his face. He was meeting with Dinan, Driz's yeah, brother. He met- in the first chapter, he met with Dinan because he was the that. one who was supposed to kill Alton. Man, I don't remember that. Right. I believe you. I just don't remember it. Well, let's just go to it. 
Second boy to Erden, the wizard replied in the gesture code. Have you my payment? You'll be compensated, Dinan signaled, pointedly regaining his composure in the first swelling bubble of his temper. Do you dare to doubt the promise of Malice de Erden, matron mother of the big old long name, tenth house of another big long name? The faceless one slumped back, knowing he had erred. My apologies, second boy of house de Erden, he answered, dropping one. You don't remember this? Mm-mm. Oh. I'm not even finding it in my book. You will get your salve, Dinan promised calmly, when Alton Devere is dead. Of course, the wizard agreed. This night? Where? What? Where? Chapter one. Oh, chapter one. Yes, chapter one. After he parks his lizard and sneaks into the house, he, he sneaks in basically to meet. No, Rob, those are, remember, that's a different faceless one. I know that, and I accounted for that in my original note. They don't know it's a different Faceless One. So in their minds, they still owe the Faceless One a healing salve. Oh, I guess that's possible, yeah. But like, but if the Faceless One gonna... hasn't come to collect, why would you volunteer payment if no one's asking to collect it? <sighs> I'm saying, I think you're right to assume that that will come up. Because um, like, it's mm. it's weird enough. There might have also been a mention about how they were just stringing him along and weren't going to give it to him anyway. And since he didn't come collecting... I don't know. There's no, I think it's I think it's an astute observation. I think it's going to happen. Okay. Well, we'll see. I uh, mm. I completely missed it. Uh, shouldn't conjure people from hell. Mm-hmm. I I did kind of like that that that. I felt like a little more weight could have been given to it, but I like that he tries to get in contact his mom and realizes he's you know pulling her out of torment, and it's like oh that's always an oh shit moment. I, I know that there's a spell in D&D, uh, I think it's called Speak with the Dead, and it only works on, I, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how only it works, but I know that the way it's described, as far as I remember it, is you can cast it on a recently deceased person mm-hmm. that can let them answer simple questions. Now, that's the key, is it has to be a simple question. Uh, you can't have, like, a conversation with them. You can only ask them questions, and they can provide very simple answers because the idea is they're not really alive. It's just sort of a, a imprint of their of, of their mentality that you're kind of touching or contacting. So uh, I kind of – I felt like when I was reading what his mother was – how she was talking, how she was confused about her, like, where she was and what was happening, felt very much like uh, that. Um, do you – now, are we talking like only yes or no questions, or could you ask something like who killed the family and she could say the name? I think that would work. It just like you, it, it might be a, uh, it still might be a complex question because you're asking her to think about something other than herself. Like, mm. like, and she might not even, even know the name. Like, sure, we, we don't know how much she knew when she died. Right. Um, but I don't know. But I like that e- either way. I like that it was, it's not like a seance or, or like, you know, an, an exorcism where it's just like, Oh, it just happens. Everything just works out. You get full communication. You get to, you know, your mother sews socks in hell kind of thing. And yeah, it's, I I liked how it was very much like death is kind of like being in a dream state in, in magically at least Mm -hmm. where your consciousness is sort of just like not really tethered to anything. It's pretty cool. You got any more notes in this chapter? Some of this seems awfully convenient. Wouldn't Alton have an inkling of who killed his family? Only a small numbers of families would have moved up in station. And it kind of seems like the first one you would be curious about would be 
the Deurdens who moved up into the station that you were your family had occupied when they were all murdered. I mean, he's like he's like, oh, there's so many families and so many highbrow families. I'm like, wouldn't you just look at them first? I don't think they moved up that directly. I think they moved up. Everyone below moved up a notch. Oh, so they just moved into the top ten. Yeah. Um. All right. I guess. That's all my notes for that chapter. Okay, then let's move on to chapter eight. Kindred. I forgot what I was supposed to do. I mean, I think I normally say chapter, but it's still like... I'm no, like, you don't. You don't. I, okay. I say chapter. Whatever. It doesn't matter who says what, right? We're all sharing the load. <laughs> uh, this chapter covers more of uh, Dritt's training under Zack's tutelage, and... Uh, ends with Zack forcing Driss into a physical demonstration of his skills in the presence of Matron Malice. She's decided it's tr- for she's decided it's time for Driss to go to the academy. So yeah, that's that's basically what happens is that, is that uh, Zack's uh, resistant to that idea because he has all this hope for what who and what Driss could be uh, out as uh, breaking from the norm of what Drow society is and how uh, treacherous and evil it is. Or evil's the word that they use. Um, so that's the, why I use that word. Uh, apparently the concept of making a society in, in a fantasy world, this, uh, sort of monolithic uh-huh. has, uh, arisen to be sort of like a problematic thing in the, when you D&D say monolithic, world. what do you mean by that? What do you mean by monolithic? I mean, like you could like, like sort of, uh, easy to prejudice, easy to, okay. Uh, create a stereotype of like of course a drow would be an evil backstabbing person and then that kind of concept lends to the idea of xenophobia sure absolutely does absolutely does but i i guess what i'm saying is like or my thought on that is right now at least you know these these are fantasy races like they maybe that's part of what's important in this world is to explore humanity's treachery and so a, a way to explore that is to make an entire group of people treacherous, sort of like saying, what if everyone in, in our society was the worst they could be all the time? What kind of world would that look like? And maybe it would look something like this. I'm glad you brought all this up because I have a note on the nature of evil and the drow later. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess my point is like if – I haven't really done a lot of research into the argument that may be being made in the in the zeitgeist, but it seems to me like I think I have a note on it later too, and I guess I'll wait. But like, I'm not having as much trouble with it as I thought I should. Okay. Um. But anyway, we can uh, we can. Uh, do you have any notes in eight in Kindred? I do have some notes. Um. It feels early, and I, I what I mean there is. I've not read a lot of R.A. Salvatore, and I've not I've only read as much of this book as I've read, so I don't want to judge it across the board yet. Um, but Bobby seems to be using a lot of arch speech to mm. give the proceedings the appearance of grandeur, and it's a little taxing. Mm. Um, it's like Shakespeare wrote like Shakespeare because it was that's how you wrote back in Shakespeare time. You don't need to write like Shakespeare write in a more engaging modern speech. And I feel like you'll pour more, pull more people in. Mm. Well, Shakespeare was also trying to be like mathematically like perfect too. I'm talking about the syntax. 
but isn't that sort of like deeply tied to the iambic pentameter? Uh, I think only somewhat. It, okay. Everyone used the back then. Sure, sure, but it's like the Using way the now is something you hear right. at Renaissance festivals where people don't quite know what they're doing. Yeah, I guess when I think about how sh- how Shakespeare writes like that that idea, I think about it being like it's not just the the vocabulary, it's like also the weird way in which he writes. Sure, that's that's fair, but anybody then Chaucer, um uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, everyone has their own way to write at that time is what I'm saying. And this just feels like he's 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 dipping into an elder bucket to make it seem I, I guess what I'm saying is like I wonder I, I think I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just like I'm moving on to a, a, like further down this line. Sure. Like I wonder if actually in the time when Shakespeare was writing, if people actually spoke like he wrote or they spoke more like uh you know, like like hark hark what light on or like you know that kind of thing. What, like three under window breaks. Right. Um, the, no, I don't think they spoke like that. Right. I mean, I I think those are the right vocabulary words, but I don't think they spoke like that. Right. It'd be like if you listen to like a Kevin Smith movie or a Quentin Tarantino movie, and you're watching, you'd be like, how often? Unless you're talking to me, how often is someone just going to ramble on in a like monologue for way too long, not listening to other people talk? Like, it seems like it doesn't happen to me a lot because I'm always the one talking. Right. So it seems unrealistic. And I wonder if the same goes for Shakespeare. Possibly. I mean, there's a I think you've you had enough time them. to speak. <laughs> Lavender orbs is my next note. Uh, his eyeballs? Yeah, I was not happy with that. Which part? Just calling them lavender orbs? Lavender orbs, this is what I mean. Okay, I okay. now that's a great example. Thank you for pro- providing the example. It's trying to be poetic, right? but it has not yet at this in this part of the book, in this specific section, established his eyes as a focus point. So they're just, his lavender orbs, and I'm just like, what the fuck are we talking about? And then uh, I have to go, oh, his eyes, right. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, two things. One, focal point, not the best use of phrasing when you're talking about eyeballs. I thought um, it was a very good phrasing. Because the, well, because they absolutely are focal points. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, but you're saying they're not that, but they are exactly that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but also, I mean, I felt like that was a thing they brought up in pretty significant detail when he was born. They talked it, about it a bit. It, 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 but it was just so... That that's when I, that's the disconnect though that I'm talking about. Yes, mm-hmm. I got there and it only took me a second, but it threw me mm-hmm. out of the book. If they just said his lavender eyes, mm. oh, agree. The, the word orbs is dumb. It's it's the overly arch poeticness right. gotcha. that I'm talking about. Yeah, and again, it t- it did work. Right, but it was it felt clunky because it just took my brain out of the of what I was reading. Right, and I feel like he's doing this shit a lot. Yeah, um, I can see that. And then my last note is he's good at every weapon. And it was just kind of like, of course he is. Yeah. Mary Sue, like I said earlier, um, I, I mean, maybe not yet. Maybe he, he, he has failures in these chapters. He has some failures, but he like overcomes them pretty quickly. I guess he does. There... Yeah. We'll, we'll get to more about Drizzt. Drizzt. Yeah. I said it. I did it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so then that brings us to... Unless you have more notes. Nope. Okay, that brings us to... Chapter 9, Families. Summary. Drizzt and Zack make up. Uh, Alton, the current uh, Faceless Master's identity, is discovered uh, by the matron of the drow 
he's been impersonating for 19 years is House. Yes. Um, she came back, to, who's actually that character's mom. So the original Faceless One's, or Master's mom, is now come to say, why aren't you oh. coming home after, I think that's what that situation was. Okay, I wasn't sure about that or if he was just affiliated with the house. I know she's no, mas- Massage's mom. Yeah, they. I think they were, I don't, I think they were brothers. Massage uh, and the Faceless One were brothers. I'm I just going to call what Massage, it says. it's easier. Um, that sounds good to me. Um, she says, why haven't you come home in 19 years? And he goes, what? <laughs> um, which is also funny. Cause like, it, you'd think that after all this time, like massage would have explained it. Like, that's the part I didn't like is that massage and he have been spending 19 years together and massage never goes, by the way, the person you're, uh, impersonating is actually related to me and in my house. And yeah. like, that should be something we, like, I tell you after 19 years of hanging out with you, we should, we should be doing some, uh, my fair lady shit. Yeah, being your only confidant, I might have explained any of this to you. Uh, but then again, like the 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 clever back out he uh, uh, Bobby gets is like he gets to say yes, but Drow are all duplicitous and treacherous. So why would they share more information than they need to? Yeah, no, I know. Um, but because they're in a conspiracy, that's why they would need to. Well, except that again, but they're always only in a conspiracy as long as it serves him eventually massage is thinking about like eventually just murdering Alton and being done with him. Maybe I guess like once he graduates or something, maybe he was like, I'm going to cut his throat and just be done with him so that the secret dies. Cause he also killed, he killed his brother. If that is his brother, I think it's his brother. And she makes a comment about it. You were so young. And he's like, yeah, that's right. I was, I'm a badass. I'm going to make another note to talk about more stuff at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and so he explain Elton explains to the matron that what happened and she says, all right, well, you're in our house now. You're going to really assume the role of this person and you're going to be my spy in the academy uh, because that's what you would expect from the person in your house that's in this position that he's in to, to be able to feed back information that is necessary. Then Dritz learns about lower houses assaulting upper houses and he watches a massacre of a family who didn't successfully uh coup and uh he doesn't like that like retribution he doesn't like that they were uh, the 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 unsuccessful family was essentially completely like murdered and annihilated he's like you guys are so mean (laughs) um you guys are mean and then you punish people not being successful at being mean which again i will point out is actually a really consistent thing in this book so far sure that as part of the culture of the drow is actually like I'm impressed that Salvatore, a God, I wish I knew how to say his name is Salvatore. It, but I feel like that that flourish is un, makes me uncomfortable. Um, like I don't want to do it myself. Okay. The uh, but he, in building this world, he's doing a really good job at being consistent about the way the society works, and that's impressive to me. I can see that. I don't know if I buy it as a society, but that's what my. In the sure, sure. Well, wait. Okay, well, we'll talk about it then. Oh, you want to talk uh, about it now? We can talk about it. Well, now. my just question is like, is your are you saying it's not realistic enough? Because like they are. I'm elves. saying the way they're showing all of these people and they're backstabbing and they're scheming is very much in a Game of Thrones, I Claudius kind of way, mm-hmm. where I Claudius is all about the emperors and Game of Thrones is all about the different factions who want the throne everybody's scheming and they have their thing but in both of those books those are the powerful people whether they're good or bad because there's both 
um, operating within the framework of just everyday society where you have good people and you have bad people and everything. Having the drow do the same thing in a society where everybody is bad all the way down, regardless of their station, I'm sure varying levels of it. I'm like, would this society even function? If you don't, you need altruism to have, you know, something to take advantage of if you're going to be that kind of duplicitous person. And it just doesn't make sense. To, I'm like, yes, he's being consistent. I don't buy it as a society. I guess, again, my question is like, okay, but like, is that important? Like, because it is fantasy. Like, like. It's important because it's another chink in the armor of the storytelling. Okay, I lost that one. But (laughs) I'm having problems with a lot of it. And so this Mm -hmm. is another thing that I'm just like, here's another place where my mind cannot suspend disbelief. Hmm. Um, okay, I'm, and maybe I'm not if that having... functioned a little bit better, I'd be able to go with the flow with other things. I don't know. I think it, it it's like I look at it like communism in a way mm-hmm. where it's like everyone is working together and they're all like. But if any of them have the opportunity to backstab to to succeed, they would. And. I'm not saying I, – I feel like I, that's not no, actually I, 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 no, how I, I feel about communism. No, 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 like, no. You're, you're talking about how communism was put into practice in, like, the 80s. Or, or it's how it's the, perceived the, the by the West. Sure. Um, the idea of, like, oh, it's all corrupt and, and only the person at the top really wins and that's why it's not as good as what we do. It's like, it's the fucking same, asshole. Um, but, like, <laughs> they uh, – uh, but I think that that's how I, I imagine the society working is it's essentially, like, they're all – it's like an all of these open secrets of, like – it's how our real world works. It's another thing I was thinking. Our real world works is we all kind of work together on certain things. And if given the opportunity, we backstab the shit out of each other to advance because that's capitalism. Like capitalism does need you. That's why I say they're the same because it's okay. just, it's really just human nature. Like right. the idea of saying like, if I knew that I could get paid a certain amount of money by telling another person something like, and I could do it successfully and was able and knew the risk was really low. Why wouldn't you do it? It's the concept of like catfishing someone or scam That's callers. Hilarious because like the- I'm listening to this podcast all about Rush Limbaugh and it's basically all he ever did. Yeah, but we do live in that world sure. where it does happen. So like, and I think that the idea is like much like our real world, the houses that are at the top of the heap here aren't necessarily the most fit. I think that's the metaphor of the Grand Melee is that Drizzt is the most fit. We'll get there eventually, but he was the most fit best swordsman. He did not win. Because he didn't understand the the concept of duplicity, he didn't understand the idea of betraying someone to advance yourself, so he lost. Mm. Rush Limbaugh understood that completely. Uh, Donald Trump understands that really well. Like con men get that, and they succeed by doing it. So like that's I think that again the metaphor here is pretty good in terms of it actually being a thing that functions in society. What what I what I will say that doesn't really work is when it's out in the open like it is in this book. I think that if it's out in the open. If it was out in the open, I think you'd get a more violent, more sinister, more evil. I use that in quotes. Sure. A society like the Drow society, as opposed to ours, which has this like it faints veneer. <laughs> it has it has a veneer of of, of uh, altruism. Sure. But it's not at all. Right. It's very self. It's all you have. It's 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 all like you know, bright smiles, but like only doing what's good for you underneath it's the whole it's the whole reason like 
you know, senators in Alaska will go out talking about how uh, President Biden is not a good president because he he's attacking the oil industry. And it's like uh, the oil companies in this state have been like bailing for dec like years, maybe not decades, but but years. They've been threatening to pull out unless they get like their handheld for decades. And under President Trump, like BP backed like out of the state completely. So I have a hard time believing it has anything to do with politics that are stopping oil from being a legacy energy source. It's so a waning like, industry, man. Right. And so it's like accepting that versus like, uh, like victim blame, not victim, blame, but like shifting the blame, shifting right. the blame somewhere else and pretending like, and being like, Doubling no, it, benef it benefits me to, to make this lie. It right. benefits me to say all these things about president Biden, because my base will eat it up because, uh, the people who think that the oil company people, the, the, the many people who work in that industry in this state will like me for saying this. So I'm playing politics. That's, that's the world we actually live in. If he came out and straight up said, you know, no, I, I, uh, I need to vilify this president because that's how I succeed. If he came out and said that, I, uh, I think we'd live in a much more like, I think we're uh, increasingly approaching that world. But, like, I think that that is the warning of this setting of the Underdark is mm -hmm. the idea that that's what we are headed towards if we continue at our worst. If we continue on our worst, we're headed towards a society where it's just out in the open how awful we are to each other. And there's no incentive. There's, it's actually beaten out of you to be nice because you cannot survive if you're nice. But I literally, I literally was watching a TV show today where Matthew McConaughey was asked about. Uh, he said he said this dumbass quote. There was something like, "I'd rather be a good man than a nice guy." And the idea is like a nice guy finished last, right? A nice guy is abusable. A nice guy is someone you can take advantage of. So I'd rather be a good man who succeeds hmm. than be a nice guy who fails. He didn't say it in that extreme terms, but like that's. I can't imagine another terminology use for those terms. Like, well, why okay. make the difference? The, the first one that came to mind when you said that wasn't that. It was um, a nice guy who tells you what you want to hear regardless of the outcome. A nice guy oh. who just does whatever instead of progressing, you know, telling you the hard truth and, 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 and doing the hard thing that needs to be done, ripping the bandit off, telling the oil industry, no, we need to find a sustainable energy. You know, I was like, right. okay, yeah, we'll keep it going. That's the nice guy. Uh, that's right. that's what I heard when you right. first said it. But Maybe. I also see your point. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about the other colloquialism that I felt like it was referencing, and if if it was, then it's... sure, it does make sense. Uh, but that's that's kind of what I mean. Like, I think we're inching closer to being more drow-like than is something I want to live with. But sure. it's so so again, I think that it's just a matter of like contextualizing these things yes this is fantasy but we don't live in a world that different from this um i guess it also just depends on your perspective but that's sure. that's where i how i'm coming at it i have a note here okay uh i guess alton serves house hunnett now yeah but that whole scene just it felt like a lego being snapped into place mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very very just and now this happens I, i'm getting yep. a lot of that from this book i'm not feeling engaged and it could be because of its prequel nature um but just like okay yeah yeah to do that and it's been done yep um and then the last note here just gray dwarves i don't know what that is 
Drugar, is that what they call him? I think that's the other word, yeah. Um, I I only know okay, so again, this goes back to Skyrim. Uh the Dragor or the whatever they say, they're in Skyrim that word or a variant of something very close to that word essentially means an un, an old zombie, like an uh like a mummified uh corpse that's been brought back to life yes it's a specific kind of revenant i feel like now that you've said that that association is familiar to me i don't know why so first i i so when i was reading gray dwarfs i don't know that from dnd i don't remember if i don't know if that's a thing and it doesn't ring any bells but um it i i was imagining sort of like some sort of mix between the two like between the ease of understanding what a, what the zombies are in uh, Skyrim and uh, like what a subterranean dwarf species would look like that isn't a normal dwarf species, like some sort of like sickly dwarf species. Or like, yeah, some kind of always in the dark mole dwarf. Right. Um, so I'm going to I'm looking it up real quick. They basically look a lot like ice dwarves, according to the art that are they're doing here. Uh, for the fifth edition stuff, what's an ice dwarf? Well, again, their, their skin their skin is like a purple, uh, like a light purple color, and oh, okay. they've got they've got white hair. So, what I, I guess what I mean by ice dwarf is that their color palette resembles the kind of color palette you would use if you were developing an ice setting. I mean, it sounds like they are to dwarves what dark elves are to elves. I think they are. Okay. Um, got it. For my for my purposes, I got it. Yeah, it says here. Uh, like other dwarves, uh, Drugar were typically stocky figures. Though beyond this, there were many. There are many differences. Um, both male and female Drugar are typically bald, with females also lacking the capacity to grow facial hair. Many were also thinner than their dwarven brethren. Uh, most obviously, however, was their dull gray skin and hair, often matched with the equally uh, stolid expression. Regular dwarves said that they had flat heads, possibly as an insult. Um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, underground, like, again, basically, like, like, yeah, they're the underdark dwarves, is how it kind of seems. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but that's how, that's my best understanding. Also, apparently, they're, they're also extremely good at weapon making, as we learn later. Sure. Which all dwarves kind of are, but it sounds like these guys are, like, they're talking about the, uh the the drow chainmail i'm like i thought the dwarves made the best chainmail what's going on well yeah anyway that's my 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 last note here on this chapter is actually a prediction okay uh alton is either going to gain enough power to outhouse doerden and then have them all killed or maybe he'll do it sneakily and kill them all silently and spare dritz to continue his adventures but my guess is it's going to be that poetic thing where Alton is able to out House Dewarden while Drizzt escapes, much like Alton did. And then Alton gets to, an, like, with the healing salve that heals his whatever, or I don't fucking know, like, somehow, like, gets his own house back, but it's just him. <laughs> or something like that. Um, that's I have, I, have, I have a suspicion that's how this is kind of going to end. Okay. Um, did you seem to be focusing... A lot on Alton, like a like a B plot. So I, I would I would I would hope there's some <laughs> decent resolution there. My suspicion is that he's the villain, like he's mm-hmm. the real villain in a world of villains. Right. 
I always like that bottle. Thanks. My dad got it for me somehow, somewhere. Mexico? Nah, I don't know if he's ever been to Mexico. All right, then that brings us to... Chapter 10, Stain of Blood. All right, summary. Matron Malice and her daughters noticed Driz's disdain for the slaughter of the drow house in the last chapter and plot to remove his innocence by forcing him to kill someone for the first time. The plan involves shape-changing a goblin to appear as a drow and set the two to spar. Once Driz realizes he's fighting an unskilled opponent, his strikes harmlessly and assumes he's won. His mother and sisters then begin casting spells on him that force his hand to murder the goblin and, in Drid's mind, make him a killer. Then, in typical drow fashion, they beat the hell out of him until he's unconscious as both punishment and reward. <laughs> Fair. Then, uh. then Zack holds an audience with Matron Malice, pleading his case to not send Drids to the Academy. His pleas are denied. Okay. This fucking <laughs> chapter. <laughs> Um, I mean, I have one note. Okay. And we can talk about some of the other things. That's fine. But my one note is kind of my big problem with the story so far. And it's come up before, and I'm sure it's going to come up again. I have a little, I have a little paraphrase quote here. I cut some stuff out to shorten it up, but you get the idea. Their lessons had nearly broken the boy, perhaps forever, stolen the ideas he held so dear. Why? Why does he have these? You're just fucking telling me that he's the good one. Why? What made him that way? And this and it will come up again in these notes. Why? Why is he the good one? Um, you, nothing. Show show well, me something yeah. where he, where he cares for a fucking dark under dark puppy that I, I was half the, run over or something. The, something that gives the, him a spark. The thing that they've shown is that he is, he's very like, he's, he's sort of jovial. He has a laughter that these people don't have in their culture that they is sort of beaten out of them. I need more than that. They've only told me that though. No, they've shown it. They've shown him laughing and at times when it's been frowned upon and how he's like, it wasn't conveyed well for me and it didn't, it, it, it's, it's not enough to be this. Whatever yeah. the fuck he is, Arthurian I, dark elf. <laughs> I I agree to an extent. I think that there it it could have been a little bit more, uh, maybe a cut like you were saying, some sort of gesture of some kind. And I really think this kid would need some sort of safe haven of you know wonder and enchantment instead of being around all these dour fucks all the time. Well, remember he was sort of isolated for a couple years with Zach. Who no, the- he was isolated with his sister. For a couple he, years. He, he only was, came to Zach when he was 11. Right. He was isolated with Zach after that for a while. I'm saying in his really formative years, I need to see something where... Well, who knows what formative is for a, a, a species that's that old? Uh, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that a wise person once told me. You're doing all the heavy lifting now. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying, like, you, that's... like ooh. Think about it. Think, think about how, like... I'm saying, show me that. I think he is. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'm not. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you that I'm picking this stuff up and I'm reading. I'm just reading the same thing. So I don't I, I'm not saying that that's you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm somehow. I I think I think you're being told it. And then you you like you're like, oh, yeah, there's a one time he giggled. 
And that's fair. That's a fair criticism. With, then he's with Zach, who is in his corner, kind of. Um, and so, therefore, he's a good guy. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I don't know about how, how much it makes him the good guy, but I think that in terms of, like, showing this uh, spark, as you put it, which I think is a good term, um, it, 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 I, I agree, it is a lot more weak showing that is mostly telling. It's not just spark, though. I mean, he has a real sense of honor. Where did that come from? Maybe from learning to fight. Again, I'm filling in blanks. Oh, again, it's I, again. I don't think it's the learning to fight. I think it's learning to fight the way Zach is teaching learning to fight. Kind of, but Zach, who also espouses, you gotta learn some duplicity. He he does, but he like you can also read in there that Zach is struggling with like knowing he he, he regrets that he has to inform Drizzt of these things. Sure. He, and, and so in that way, it's like it's it's that's how he's informing us by saying the guy who taught Drizzt everything he knows is now coming to terms with having to reverse those things he's he's taught Driz and force Driz to learn the hardest lesson of all which is this society is terrible you have to be a little bit terrible to survive and I feel like Driz would have picked up on that a lot more than he has because he seems like a fucking idiot in that regard and that but okay but maybe he is an idiot like and maybe that's something that keeps coming up a lot in these stories is that he is really not that smart he's constantly easily betrayed easily manipulated he's a person who keeps getting beaten and doesn't try to escape from his tormentors he may not be that smart okay i'm gonna be looking for that if but but again i feel like there would be more clues and something slightly more competently written that would inform me of his lack of intelligence than just me having to piece it together, being like, this is the only remaining possibility since I've eliminated everything else impossible. It is implausible, but per Sherlock Holmes, this must be the truth because he's a fucking idiot. Right. Or, because they're, they're writing it like he's, the, again, the novice farm boy who's coming to the big city and is just merely ignorant and learning for the first time. Oh, these people are treacherous. Well, I have to be a little more clever because I got my ass heading to me. So the next time that won't happen. But that shouldn't happen in this society that he's been raised in for 20 years. He should know this and expect this, even if he doesn't believe it because he's got some weird sense of honor from nowhere. It should not be a surprise. I do think that there's also a little bit that's like in terms of frog DNAing it. I think that there is like some suggestion that it also has to do with his, like his, uh, patronage. Like, I think it, it, the, the fact that he's Zach's son. Yeah. I think the suggestion, they straight is, up say that in, the, in these chapters. What I mean is like specifically Zach, who he is, this idea that that comes through genetically, like that this penchant for enjoying the fight, the penchant for the, the glee, like how much similarity there is in personality between, parents and child i mm-hmm. think it's supposed to also sort of justify so all the stuff you see in zach is also supposed to be there in dritz which is what zach doesn't want to kill which okay. is what he's so resistant to is because he knows this is his son he sees all that the stuff that makes him is him unique in his kid and he knows like himself it's going to get beaten out of him okay so that brings up a different set of things i think you may be right um, I'm noticing, and it's again, probably too early to officially call it, but what I'm leaning towards is uh, Bobby likes to, let's use, let's, let's use Alton's mom as an example. Right. Okay. Uh, he hints that 
Well, he straight up says she did something to get out of favor, but then right. just doesn't tell you what it is and leaves that a mystery until he just tells you what it is later instead of right. kind of building towards that. And I feel like that's going to happen with, with uh, Zach as well. Like, Zach hates Strauss, wants to kill everybody, but also has honor and wants to protect well, Drizzt, and they will just tell us later what his deal is. I think the reason he likes to kill Drow is because he hates Drow society. He hate he specifically hates how evil they are. Yeah, but is and, he, so. Uh, but what I'm saying is, there's going to be there's going to be a big reveal. Like, is he actually Drow, or is he some oh, like? He definitely is. Or is he some like good elf that's been magically transmogrified, like the goblin was? into a dark elf and that's why he hates them and wants to kill them and is passed on his good elf genes to Drizzt. Uh, that would, that's possible. That would be, I, I would accept that if that was, if that was a twist. I mean, that would help explain why Drizzt's eyes are better. Cause right. there's also this, I mean that there's also suggestion in these chapters about, um, uh, where, 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 Zach says something about you don't know who you are or something like that. One of those like typical yeah. fantasy things yeah. where it's like, you know, if you, if you knew who you were or, or like some shit like that. One day, Jon Snow, I will tell you who your yeah. parents are. Right. Exactly like that. It's very much that. Um, and, and the whole, I mean, the goblin, turning the goblin into the drow was, I, I has again, I hesitate to say clunky because I don't know how it's all going to play out, but it, it felt it like. It may have been foreshadowing. Is it, is it foreshadowing or infrastructure for a later reveal? Right. Yeah. Much like I think that that potion at the beginning, like you were saying, that healing salve may be True. foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm giving Bobby a huge berth here, like because sure. because I and it's a prequel. It's a prequel. Yeah, that's another thing, right? Um, I'm not going to excuse like like I, I I I think that all of your concerns and your criticisms are are valid. I'm not having as much trouble. I don't feel like picking up these these things um well i i feel like the reason i'm picking apart so much will be uh addressed in my very next note when oh, we get okay there. okay let me double check and make sure i don't have any notes then before you get there um nope i'm good okay oh you you when you say next note you mean next chapter it's also the next note i have right but but okay but if you said like my, it'll be addressed in the next chapter. This is that then, whole next weekend thing. Then I would say, okay, then that brings us to... Where people say next weekend, and I'm like, oh, this coming Saturday. They're like, no, that's this Saturday. I'm like, yeah, next duh. Saturday. I'm like, motherfuckers, you use the word next. The next Saturday that's going to happen is this Saturday. No, and that's they're like, aha, Saturday. I got you. And I'm like, no, you sons of a bitch. Yeah, that's this Saturday. <laughs> like, this week starts... Mm-hmm. It's already started. This is this week. We're it, like we're we're It's Monday now. That's this week. This next, week is whatever week I'm in. Right, but uh, but thirty minutes ago, I would have said next week to indicate thirty minutes from then. Okay, it's the same with the weekend. This upcoming weekend is the weekend that's this weekend. You just said thirty minutes ago you would have said next week to talk about thirty-one minutes from then. Yes. By that logic, next Saturday is the one coming up. No. Oh well, my god. No, no, it's that's that's this Saturday. <laughs> Because we're in, it's it's part of the week we're in. Don't you understand? It's part of the week we're already in. It's a subset of the week. So if, so, we're, if we're on Wednesday and I say Saturday after next, what Saturday is that? Start over one more time. If, if we're, we're on Wednesday, Wednesday and, we say, and I say Saturday after next, what Saturday am I talking about? Three Saturdays three, from now. Oh, motherfucker. 
That's obviously what you're talking about. That's what those words mean. Obviously not. It is obvious. Ask anybody else. (laughs) Anybody else is wrong. That's, I think that's not how it works, but, uh, you were talking about removing things that are plausible like Sherlock Holmes, but here we go. You're, you're definitely leaving this one notch of who could be wrong alone. Um, (laughs) anyway, that brings us to 11 grim preference. 11 what? Oh, chapter 11 grim preference. And there's. No other jokes we could make about this chapter and number. Like, even um, my handwriting's trying to say Elvin? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Oh. Um. Oh, Jesus Every time. Every time. <laughs> Free parking. <laughs> um, summary. Zach and Drizzt have a final duel wherein the mentor confronts the student with the reality of his life as a drow. His future will be full of evil, betrayal, and treachery. The brutal duels intended to teach uh, Dritzt these grim truths. The chapter ends with Alton looking on as Din guides Dritzt to the academy. So what's your next note? My next note. Which is to say, what is this note you're about to read? This note that I'm going to read. I get it. I get it. I'm smart. Um, I don't like your bottle now. Forty <laughs> percent in, and I don't like any of these people. Into the book. Forty percent into this book, and I don't like any of these people. I don't think you're supposed to. <laughs> I know, but like. It's it's hard going for me, and that's why I think I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm being so nitpicky. Okay, I think things. I pick you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. No, like you want someone to latch onto that you like, and you've not yet accepted Drizzt as your sympathetic. Like, oh, certainly hero. not. Certainly right. not. And I mean, the closest I've probably got is Alton as an antihero, and I'm like, I can kind of get behind what you're doing and what's happening here, but even then, you're just so. Again, like the the goth kid trying to be cool. I, I don't want to pick on the goth kids. So that's why I go the vampire. The vampire trying to be cool. Sure. I think there were an, another couple of like instances where Drizzt is doing things that other drow wouldn't do. Like when he draws that picture of his sister's face with his feet. Mm-hmm. No other drows are being artistic like that. Like we're not seeing any of that. Like again, these are that's a he, manifestation of his difference, but it's not a why. No, but like you, I think you're supposed to see through that that it's innate in him. Like this, this difference is just part of his personality that makes him weaker, and therefore, like he's he's gonna stick out like a sore thumb to the bullies that are drow society. I, I understand that, but I still feel like any other movie would would have some moment of connection that he had with another person that gives him the why in that Angelina Jolie movie in the Japanese internment camp that guy can hold the thing up all day. Or, you know, it would give me something to, to be like, oh, that makes sense. That's an extension of this thing that happened to him earlier. And they're just showing me how he's different, which is basically telling me how he's different. I know, I worded that badly. Yes. Um, I, I think the problem is, I, I and I maybe I'm off here, but I feel like the problem is that you actually want them to... I think he's showing you he's different in such a subtle way that it's not enough. I think that's really what the problem is. I don't think it's subtle. I think it's, look, he's different. 
No, I'm saying these little, like, the thing about him drawing with his feet isn't them saying, look, he's different. It's the subtlety that's coming across. That's the thing that, like, is, could be forgettable, but it happened. I mean, it did happen. It didn't impress me. I, I well, looked at it and go, yeah. I, no, I saw it as like, oh, this is him being different. But again, I didn't have any connection to it. There's no weight to it. I don't. I think that's. I think that's intentional. I don't think that there has to be weight to it. I think that to be like, engaging, there does. Maybe, but I think that's not what he's trying to do with those moments. I think what he's trying to do is show you this who this person is. It's like the art. The idea of saying there are like what makes a person who they are. Is it entirely instances that happen in their life, or is there a part of them that burns through regardless of what was going to happen? in their in their like uh influences and i think this is that thing this this identity that driz has his character his true character his unmolested character burns through this horrible society in these little ways and that's what that's exactly what zach is trying to protect because he has it too i get it i just I feel like the character it doesn't feel realistic to me. This character, especially at that point when he was drawing with the foot and he hadn't spent any time with Zack and he only been raised by his sister, I feel like that character at this point in this society would have learned to keep those parts of him, you know, secret and safe and away from anyone. He wouldn't be uh, idly drawing with his foot in front of his matron mom and all these other people. He'd be like, oh, I just need to get out of here so I can go, you know, draw in my room or something. I guess I think of it more as like a, it's like a metaphor for, for the kind of persevering, like personality attribute as being homosexual would be like you, you are in a society. If you were in a society that was so anti that, that that was beaten out of you, you were sent to a camp where people made you like promise that you weren't who you were. Right. You would hide that stuff, which I think Dritz does. But like you're still that person inside, and sure. and but Zach was... is trying to provide that this 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 relief for Driss to be who he is. Sure, but I feel like he's doing these things in front of everyone. It's not he's not hiding it. I he seems to be hiding it pretty well. I don't know. Like he he's gonna get beaten regardless of what he does. That that's never almost never the thing that he gets beaten for. The only like there was the time early on where he had that weird outburst where he like. Uh, spoke before the, the his mother allowed was was gave him the floor or whatever and Zach thought it was funny because that's a thing that they have a, their personality traits are in common. I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I, I'm not saying it's a fantastic book. I'm just not having these troubles. Sure. <laughs> but at the same time, your actual note is that that's your trouble you're having is that you aren't you're not being presented with the character you are connecting with. Correct. Right. That's, and I, there's no logic out of that. Like that's, that's just, it's not connecting with you, which I, I, I'm sorry about. (laughs) Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not either really, but like, I'm not having the same, like, it's not for the same reasons. I don't think, I think it's just cause like, I don't like origin stories. Um, I find this stuff to be really boring. And I thought about that too. When I say origin story, I don't mean Peter Parker at age eight going to summer camp. Or more specifically, like... Peter Parker's parents being spies and Peter not knowing about oh, it. Well, certainly that sounds like it would be incredibly stupid. Yes. Um, 
and this doesn't so that's why I thought we'd be more to like hey this is draft society this one's different for reasons we'll explore later and this is where he goes out to the real world and has to find his way in the upstairs land and I'm like that would be an origin story let's go no. I, th- I think again I think that is what we're getting oh I think it's what we're getting but I would I'm at this point 40% in would not be surprised if that doesn't if he doesn't hit the end of the the entrance to the outside world, whatever you want to call it, if he goes to the surface at the very end of the book. No, dude, I'm telling you, I told you this last episode. He's not leaving the Underdark in this book. He's leaving the Underdark at the end of book three. I'm telling you, that's what's happening. This is a this is a trilogy. This isn't one book. No, this I is, know. This is chapter one. This is act one. I just thought. No. He, you he, thought he, wrong. he could go continue <laughs> to develop his character in the in what I'm going to call the real world now. Sure. Um, before he became whatever character he became in book four. Right. Okay. But you're saying no. I'm saying he's going to explore. He's probably going to do stuff. I'm just like, I have no, I don't really know, but sure. that's my, that would be my guess is that he well, doesn't okay. even leave the Underdark until the end of book three. Let's call it now. I'm going to say he leaves the Underdark at the end of book one. Okay. I, I say, I won't even say, for this, I won't say end of book three. That's my actual prediction right now. Okay. But I will say not by the end of this book. Okay. Um, all right. Um, what, what else you got for notes on this chapter? Oh, just, just in the middle of the Zack fight. Uh, I, had a, I had a note that was, it was one of those that was then answered. Um, hmm. now more curious than wanting to kill just, I'm like, so did, did Zach actually want to kill him? And then as I read it, like, yeah, it seems like he did. Well, yeah. Cause he had that line later where he was like, you know, you should put him out of his misery kind of thing. Like just, just like kill him before they ruin him. Cause he's so he's cause Zach values what Drist is so much and how precious he is. Uh, my note at the time, I'm not even sure I feel this way now, but it's Bobby is too cagey about everything. It's not coy. It's obtuse. Right. And, and again, this may be, I'm, again, I'm giving him a huge berth because <laughs> there was a supposed to be other books before this one. And we should have done it like Star Wars. Like we should have read the, them in publication order and then gone, man, the prequels suck. But like we didn't, we didn't know it. And it's not how we're doing it. Okay. I, I mean, cause I feel like the caginess you're feeling is stuff that I'm, I would assume is less because I'm giving him a lot of benefits of the doubt sure. isn't as bad because you already have all these things, you know, about Driz from the other books. So let's say in book four, again, he has a conversation with somebody and says, Oh, my old sword master, Zach was actually blah, 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 which explains his whole character because he's not who I thought he was. Right. And here we're getting weird, um, uh, allusions to that. That could make sense, but I feel like it's not how you write for a new audience. Mm hmm. That's my end of my notes. Okay, so then that brings us to... Part three, the Academy. Okay, so a summary for this two-page thing is... Uh, Driz from the future just sort of says cryptic shit about how Zack was right about the Academy. Uh, I wrote in my note, I don't know, it just sounds unnecessary to me. <laughs> <laughs> my first note is, Drad, I hoped, I hoped we were going to skip the Academy. <laughs> we kind of do. I mean, well, I mean, I like, like, oh, you're gonna go to the academy? Nope, I'm up to the surface. 
And my real adventure <laughs> you really, will start. You really want him to get out of it. You really it's, hate this world. It's just not fun. There's no fun. I don't think it's supposed to be fun. Again, you're supposed to feel how much you hate this place so you can relate to Dritz wanting to leave. I feel you're... like you can still make things fun for the reader while saying the ah, world sucks. I don't think he's not doing that. I really don't. I think he's doing an, like enough fun things. Well, I think, okay, to be to be more balanced, I think that once I get to the grain melee, I enjoyed it a little bit more. At that point, we hadn't got to the the grand melee. True, yet. true. That was uh, I have to admit that there's things I didn't like, but that was fun. Right, um, that that's gonna buoy me for a while because I agree. Like I think when I started reading these this this section of the book, I was also like, God, I this I don't know if I'm enjoying this. And then I think through these chapters, specifically these chapters, it, it, I started to warm up to it a little. Like, I felt the gradual warming up happening um i mean there's not even there's there's not clever banter there's not fun sarcasm everyone's just arch drow i feel like drow could be sarcastic or 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 clever in 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 putting words together or dour they are dour yeah i know i see what i'm saying no okay um do you have any more notes in this weird not chapter nope um, I had another little rant, which we've already covered, but I'm just going to read it because I wrote it down. Um, he wrote, and I, uh, I think this is as drizzed in this, in this, the Academy in the, section. Yeah. It, yeah. it is compassion, not fear that brings harmony to, to most races. Why the fuck do you think like this? I wrote. And no, I continued, I do not buy that he gleaned this. Uh, unspoken from Zach. Well, again, this is th- we don't know how far in the future this Driz who's talking is. This isn't Driz talking right now. This is way future Driz talking. This is like Bilbo your, being like. No, your your point is valid. If you want to make your Bilbo analogy, you may. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember I, what Bilbo writes, but it's basically like it when Bilbo writes an unexpected journey. Yeah, that's the Driz we're looking at. Look. You're right. Stop making it's a points. Good point. No, 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 no. You're right, and it is a good point. I'm, I'm not seeing the dots that will connect any Driz to the Driz writing that. That yeah, yeah. That okay. I'm being told there's a dot there. If I read my own like journal entries from when I was 13, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would see how that person becomes who I am now. Okay. And that's kind of what I feel like we're doing in reverse. Like we're learning the story about this person and where they come from. And then we're hearing these weird journal entries about who they are at the end. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I think you're right that you're not seeing that connection, but that's what these books are. Well, here's another thing that I think I'm picking up on by nature of it being a prequel. There's a thing I hate in prequels where you take the character you love and you give them a prequel backstory. Mm -hmm. And they're often a, younger sloppier person of the character version of the character you love so when pirates of the caribbean was big and they had the like young jack sparrow chronicle books you looked at it it was young jack he looked like jack sparrow but he was like a teenager or i'm trying to think of another one young indiana jones young indiana jones oh my god perfect and you know river phoenix's portrayal was amazing not, but... not to talk about indiana jones again for two episodes straight <laughs> but 
Uh, what I really want in prequels is a character that's kind of the antithesis of this and has some kind of oh shit moment that flips everything, flips their complete worldview. And I think this might be better if Drizzt was the best at being a, a dick drow. If he was a, a dark elf that had something happen that made him go, oh, I want to be a good guy. That would be more engaging for me. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this book is cliched enough that that's I feel like, like, for, I feel for like me. you can have that arc without it having to be cliche. Because people Maybe. do have that. You have the like the 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 devout clansman who decides, oh shit, I've had some kind of experience and I need I'm gonna try to help other people not be racist anymore. That does yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, that's not the book we're getting. No. We're getting it's something not. else. Um, you got on the airplane. They said chicken or fish, and you said chicken. They said we only have fish, and then they gave you fish, and you're required by law to eat it. Um, <laughs> this is a crappy airplane. It's Death Readers Airlines. <laughs> um, then that brings us to chapter twelve. And the title of the chapter twelve. <laughs> This enemy, they. <laughs> I can't read my writing. <laughs> no, that that is the name of the chapter. It's just how how hard it was for you to read it is very funny. No, that makes no sense. This enemy, they. Yeah, they is in parentheses, like the the non-specific they. When people say things like "oh they," it's 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 a concept. It's a it's a oh. comment on it's a comment I, on xenophobia. It's the yeah. idea of the the other. <clears throat> oh, now we're okay. You're gonna redo it. This is all staying in, by the way. This is all staying in. I don't know why, because my my point has to be made. Like my clever, like like breaking it out of you has to be in. So here you go. That brings us to chapter twelve. This enemy, they. Oh wow! First try. Um. <laughs> Summary. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, the first part of this chapter concerns the first 50 days at the academy, mm -hmm. where the students are indoctrinated in drowsy xenophobia. Then there's a grand melee. <laughs> drowsy. Where the students, <laughs> where drowsy nophobia. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, where the students are uh, set against each other until there is one left standing. Another student, whom Dritz believes to be his friend, betrays their alliance at the very uh, at the end. And wins, or I thought he won the contest, but he just gets third place. But he beats Driz, uh, and and jumps higher than his station deserves. Which again, I think is a big metaphor about the concepts about in the book. Sure. Um, about how sometimes that happens. The least deserving people sometimes are are the most well off because of luck or uh, seizing an opportune moment, as you as Jack Sparrow would say. Um, the uh. So yeah, that's that's basically what happens in this chapter. And Drist is really bummed out of it. It's a hard lesson he learns that this nobility, this not watching your back, this not setting up people to betray, this not preying on people's uh, weaknesses, their their good nature, is actually a big problem for him and Drow society in general. Uh, do you have any notes? 
Um, I do. Oh yes, okay. So this is the 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 bit about evil. Um, this master talks of the surface fairies and all the other creatures being evil. Yet earlier, Malice wanted Dritz to give himself over to evil. Is it so, so is it in this society, is it something to fight for or to strive for? If they all acknowledge that they're evil, how can they say that these other things are evil? It doesn't make sense to me. Mm-mm. Zach is the one saying that drows are evil because Zach hates drow. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, well, no. sorry, what were you saying? No, okay, okay, okay. I, I'm sorry, I think I was correcting a different thing. No, there's a scene earlier where... Is it Matron Malice? Sure. Okay. Wait, I mean, she's uh, it, a person. She's <laughs> she's making a comment or maybe an internal monologue about how she wants Drizzt to give himself over to being the evil, to fulfill evil potential kind of thing. Did she use that word, though? I feel like she did. Maybe, uh, well, I don't know, man. I feel like that's not the word it, they would use. It's and that's the whole thing. It led me to believe that they were acknowledging themselves as they were so evil and bad and treacherous that we know that we're evil and we like being evil in service of Lolf. I mean, I think the evil they, spider queen. Perhaps, but that's possible. But I feel like that. I feel like that's the one word I would expect them not to use. I'm open to being wrong, but unless you have like a page to cite, I have to like let that. Um, sure. My argument would be that that I would find it, I would find it hard to believe that she used that word. I wouldn't be surprised if she said things that we would contextualize as evil that she mm-hmm. wishes Driz would be. That sure. wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think, so so that's I think the difference is it all has to do with like this is their culture, this is their society. They of they of course recognize it's duplicitous and uh, like betrayal is a big aspect of it, but that's their society. Like. Like, like the concept of killing myself for a cause is impossible to me, but there are cultures and societies in this world where that is a thing that happens. It's completely alien to me. I couldn't possibly imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. Yet it's a thing. It's a thing we do. Like we literally, that's what militaries are, is people who are committing to dying for these concepts. And a lot of them do. Like, I, I can believe that that is a part of a society that people would, would encourage their young, promising, like, family members to excel at. Because that's the thing that he doesn't have. And I think that's the other thing that's obvious to his family, is he doesn't have these, this, this nature, this cutthroatness. Mm-hmm. And they want him to have that because that's the world where they live in. And they need him to be able to survive and excel in that world because that's the point of these, like, houses, these family uh, organizations is to advance. They're all little mafias all fighting together. I think it's another good way to look at it is it's all a bunch of mafia families. Mm-hmm. Like they're like it's like it's like watching that season of uh, of Fargo, the one with Chris Rock. It's just a whole bunch of different families betraying each other over and over and over. I mean, again. it's basically the Godfather, so I'll go with that. Well, it, the, maybe, but in it, the specific metaphor I'm using is actually really good <laughs> because it has to do with progressing over times, many different families coming in and stepping on each other over and over. Sure, but I've not seen that show, so I. I'm not making the reference for you. I'm making it because it's a good reference. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want you having to relate to something to overshadow how good my reference is. <laughs> Fair Much enough. like Bobby is probably not that concerned with whether or not you can understand how his character is built versus how he's going to tell it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a bridge too far. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Did we sum up your thing or do I need to continue talking about xenophobia? No. Okay. 
because that's that's the other idea. I think what you brought up is like how can they talk about being evil and taking pride in being evil and then condemn someone for being evil? And I think again that that's what I wanted to sum up is saying that the answer is one. I don't, I don't know if they actually consider themselves evil. They do consider themselves traitorous, betrayers, and duplicitous and self-serving. Station the concept of station is the most important thing to them. The hierarchy and excelling in that hierarchy is really important to them. But they also need to, as a society, have some sort of bond that tethers them together to make their society work. And that is the fear of the other, the fear of the they, the the enemy that is they. Sure. So I agree so the, with that. I just don't think they would use the word evil if they're all acknowledging that they're evil. They would say those that's, good fairies. That's the part I can't I don't see. I don't remember sure. that in the book. And that's OK. So I like I, yeah, I can't address that because I don't I don't remember that. Um, I'm going to figure out how to word search. And I'll go through every instance of evil in this until I figure it out. <laughs> uh, do it. Uh, I would, I, it sounds like you have housekeeping. Um, sounds like I do. Rob's going to reread the first 100 pages of this book just to no. see if this happens. A book he hates. Um, I don't say I hate this book. <laughs> okay, so I have... Uh, do you have any more notes in this chapter? Um, the first fight wasn't super fun for me, and I spent the entire thing just because this was a bit of obvious foreshadowing, uh, just like thinking, when is Kelnaz going to betray him? Yes. And then it happened at the very end. Yes. So my, my note is exactly about that. It's, I don't know if I'm disappointed by the betrayal uh, at the contest uh, because I saw it coming as soon as like Kelnaz, is that his name? Kelnaz. Yeah. Kelnaz. As soon as he suggests the idea of teams, I was like, Oh, well, yeah, it's obviously what's going to happen, but maybe I remember thinking maybe, uh, Bobby's gonna say like they actually make it to the end and Kelnaz like sort of surrenders to Driz and says look I'm happy with second place but that wouldn't be Drow right so he doesn't do that that has that wouldn't excel his station or give him the opportunity to seize station for himself um although he admits being second place is better being than being third which is what he got mm-hmm. um so that's why later he tries to even get higher and it does not work out for him. Um, that's uh, so, so it's like, I feel like I'm complaining about something I thought was predictable, like an expected result, which I don't know if, if that's a valid thing to complain about. That's like being like, Oh man, I got no, no. a big Mac. I really wanted like a red Robin burger, I hear, I hear what you're but saying. I went to I, McDonald's. I feel like, I, I feel like the issue was the way it was structured was, The foreshadowing was there, but it wasn't super subtle. No, it wasn't. And so it was just kind of like you're drawing it out like you think it's going to be a twist and it's not. Yes. Just tell me he's going to betray him already. Let's just get to it. Or, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it felt like to me. Agreed. That, that, no. that I'm trying to obfuscate and you don't know what's going to He's going to fucking betray him, man. Let's go. Yep. I felt the same way. And when it uh, my only hope was that maybe it wouldn't be that way. Right. Which would have been a great twist. Um, yeah, but then again, it, it, it comes that I don't know, the, like you need that betrayal. So, so Driz can learn the lesson because Driz doesn't know the things we know about these people. Like he was surprised and heartbroken when he saw like those, the houses attacking each other and, and being as brutal and violent as, as, as they were. Uh, and that had to be beaten out of him. Like these are these are we're we're just going through all the lessons Driz is learning for things we already know as adults about how awful people are, but he doesn't. Going through all emotions. 
well, I, again, I, I think that that's, I think that your age is betraying your patience. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> um, that brings us to, unless you have more notes on that chapter. I do not. Then that brings us to. Chapter 13, The Prince of Winning. Don't you mean the price? The price of winning. It really looks like Prince. Is it really Price? Huh. Okay. What's the price of winning? The prince of winning being a very common colloquialism. Um, well, because he's a prince. He is a second boy. I didn't say he was the first prince of winning. I don't think he's a prince. I think he's a second boy. <laughs> I don't think Matron Malice is a queen. She's a matron. <sighs> Fine. The price of winning. What happens in the price of winning? Um, this chapter basically runs through Dritt's entire decade at the Academy. Uh, he goes through a couple more grand melees and eventually becomes a well-regarded uh, swordsman. That's that's it. It's like imagine all of the Harry Potter series condensed as it probably should have been into just a couple of lines of these events happen. That's not entirely fair, but it was it was very much like the antithetical Harry Potter of like, mm. This guy's going to go to school for 10 years, and it lasts four pages. Maybe. Mostly two. Um, fair, 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 fair. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, because, again, I think that the, the, the thing about these drow schools is there isn't a wide variety of opportunity for for new schools. These are, these are people who are very much, like, interested in repetition to strengthen skills mm -hmm. like they're all about just like pounding that steel until it's perfect and that's how they treat themselves that's how they treat each other um so if they were going to do that it would it would be very boring to read it would be very boring to read drids every day for 10 years doing the same routine or the same couple of things over and over and over until it becomes so fluid in him that he doesn't have to think about what he's doing mm -hmm. uh, especially when a lot of that's just cleaning up things like like tidying up rooms and sweeping laboratories and shit it's boring um it's boring so it was just interesting like it was interesting to see that just like completely fast traveled through I think there's – I only have one other note. Do you have any notes in this chapter? Uh, my only notes, and I don't even have a specific example at the time, is all dialogue in this is I could tell you, but I won't. Tee-hee. I don't remember why I wrote that, <laughs> but I was annoyed by something. Um, my only note is here that at the sometimes towards the end, Dritz has a reflection on how he's only ever been betrayed by other drow, and I was – I really like that. Uh, aspect of this world that's sort of developing here is that uh, it's 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 like it's like reading the story of a person raised in a racist family learning that his family's racist and then deciding he's not going to be a part of that and that's something that I feel like I'm, I'm gonna have a hard time not comparing this series to Harry Potter at some at some level mm-hmm and that never happens in the Harry Potter series as far as I can remember. I don't think there's any magical race that makes a change or that, like, is even almost, like, their behaviors aren't really that problematic for the for the arc of Harry. Like, the worst is the Death Eaters. 
uh, they're the ones who cause him the most trouble. Right. But like the goblins in Gringotts, they're always the same. The house elves, except for Dobby, who is the only he he's the drist of the of the house elves, is that he you know. <laughs> Like that's that's it. Otherwise, all the house elves stay the same, right. and and like and even to the point where they undo that stuff. Where it's like, no, you know, uh, what's her name? The other, the girl elf. She she loves being a slave, and it's like, ugh. What about uh, what about creature? Um, no, 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 no. Uh, the the. I'm centaur. glad you bring creature up. See, creature. <laughs> the centaur. There, again, there's there's a there's a drift of the centaurs. Like she she, there, there was the one centaur who comes into the school and teaches, and the rest of them are like, no, That's you stay point. out. You're evil. That's a good point. Um, there's always the in Harry Potter. There's always the one exception of one race that betrays their bad behavior, as opposed to like giving you any reason to believe that that. And, and then like makes it so like, no, that character is just wrong. It's almost like that she's saying, no, not this character's right and they're wrong. No, this character's wrong and they're punished, and that's it. Um, I don't think there even even what's his name the goblin at the end who who tries to who's like that sword's a fake or whatever or grip hook or grip grip hook right um that uh he he's way too in line for with goblins to even be considered like the the rogue the renegade um so it's just, yeah it's just meh. uh but I, so I like I'm hopeful for this aspect of it uh to see like. The th- I guess what I'm trying to say is the thing that this book's doing in in creating this world and justifying the behaviors of this whole society, it's doing stuff that n- all, I feel like almost never happened in the Harry Potter books for those uh, non-human races, mm-hmm. which was actually show me these societies at work and doing the things they're doing. Not like I really would have wanted those in those long-ass Harry Potter books, but then it's showing me the justification for why the character's deciding this isn't for me. I think it's happening slower than you want it to, but that's what's happening. No, I think my problem is I'm not buying his making that decision. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, again, 20 years old in this society, to have this realization now, he's either incredibly stupid, which we've allowed is a possibility, or he's had to have some not just disappointments of people saying one thing and then doing another, but actually being drawn into a relationship with someone and giving them trust and, and then having that revoked. And that doesn't really seem to be happening. I guess maybe with uh, Zach and how he got turned mean, seemingly mean at the end there. But other than that, everyone's been pretty much a shit to him and that's pretty constant. And, he, and he's going to have interactions with people, seeing them being shitty to other people and seeing how the society is basically, you know, piranhas eating itself. None of this should be a surprise to him. And they keep I, writing it like someone going, really? We're all bad? I think you're not counting for how often people who are raised in abusive like households don't really understand that they're abusive. That's actually a pretty significant hurdle for those people to overcome. That's a no. That's a real no. No, that's a really good point. And I'm trying to think: is am I discounting that, or does it not seem that way to me? And I'm trying to I'm trying to process that. That will let me. That will give me another grain of salt. I will take this book with two grains of salt because that's a good point. Oh, two? Mm-hmm. Shit. 
you're gonna have heart problems <laughs> that's i think that's all i really have unless you have more notes i don't um, I, I i again i'm i'm not in love with this but i'm warming up to it okay and i i think that there's there's a i feel like there's a lot of like how do i say this um not groundbreaking but i think subtle metaphors and messages and concepts in here that i find maybe interesting is the wrong word but like sort of heartening mm-hmm. i find it interesting to eh, i guess i have to use that word to read through this and look at it and go oh i see like this it i don't feel like this is a basic like boilerplate fantasy story i feel like there are again uh metaphors for like young people in them mm-hmm. um because I, I mean it's probably best it's probably just a ya novel to some extent it's probably for that reading group um you think i don't know i mean it might not be for that dem- I, I maybe probably yeah i mean I, I, I imagine these are very similar to like the star wars novels where it's just okay. like it's I see except I see. In, but in but in, so in comparison to those this actually has metaphors mm-hmm. like this has uh symbolism and themes uh those star wars i've never read a star wars book that i felt like had those are boilerplate adventure stories almost always like the fucking shadows of the empire like where i have to read about princess leia being like seduced by prince sizor is that that's the one they made the game out of yeah that is to date the worst book i have ever read really every and i don't want to this is our shadows of the empire tangent as I remember, and I think I read through it once, and I was like, the fuck? Uh, every character found a moment to shake their head and sigh. To the point, I swear to God, there was, there was one chapter. I, I feel like it was the beginning of a chapter. I remember vividly looking at the page like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Where Vader was frustrated with the Emperor and wished he didn't have his respirator in so he could shake his head and sigh. And I'm like, fuck you, book. <laughs> That's great. That that blew me away, and yeah, so, that that was that what that book is some. I loved the game. That is some atrocious writing. I hated Shadows of the Empire, and that's what I would compare this to in terms of like its demo. Oh, it was way better than Shadows of the Empire. Sure, but in terms of demographic, like that's oh. who this book is targeting is the people who would want to read Shadows of the Empire. So in that realm, I think that these themes, metaphors, and symbolism are actually pretty advanced for the its peer group. Mm-hmm. I'll say so in that realm I'm 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 enjoying picking up on them and reading them because it's it's kind of like it's it's like sitting by a warm fire it's like saying yes abuse is bad <laughs> I uh, I'd have to agree Bob <laughs> go out on a limb I'm, I don't care who knows it right yeah <laughs> then coming out and being like you know uh if you're born this way you should live this way I'm not sure if that's a terminology, but that's again. I think that's part of what's Sounds coming good. through in this book. I think um, I, I think I, I think I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So anyway, um, do you have anything else? I do not. Let me see what this has to say. I might have a very brief new word alert. New word alert. All right. Here it goes. Riparian. Riparian. Sure. It's, it's pronounced... Riparian. 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 Boy, I think rapacious. I also think rappel. What is it? 
None of those. Okay. Uh, it's an adjective relating to or living or located on the bank of a natural water course, course such as hmm. a river, or sometimes of a lake or tidewater. So Gollum was a riparian creature. Perhaps, except that isn't a water. I don't know if I'd call because he was like, the river an- folk. Oh, well, I That's... thought you meant like of the of when he's in Moria, like when he's like no. Okay, sure, sure. Of a river folk, then yeah, riparian. Sorry, sorry. I, so I, just, Smeagol, I should have said Smeagol. I should, Smeagol I should have, was, yes. yes, yes. Mea culpa. I should have said Smeagol. You really should have. You really should have. Uh, that's all I have, man. Okay. Uh, oh, so so next next time we got another big ass chunk of book to read. Um, oh, right. What, what, what's that going to be? Fourteen. So we're going to read through chapter 14 or from from chapter 14 up to chapter 22. So stop when you get to chapter 22. Wait, stop at 22. Stop at 22. Okay, I thought you said through. I'm sorry. No, I, so I 14 I, through 21, 14 through 21. Got it. Stop at 22. Got it. Uh, so or I could just say read seven chapters. <laughs> No, I think I think we've got it down. I'll say in another couple of ways, you could also read eighty-four pages in my paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, you could read this much. Oh, that does help me with the Kindle. Sure. <laughs> um, you could read the uh, the third quarter of the book. Oh, that's another way I could say it. Um, anyway, that, that's what, that's what we're reading next time. Um. I'm telling you, man, he's in the he's not fucking leaving the underdark in this. No, book. we're going full margarita. It's gonna be extra salt next time. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this beast up. Uh, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. P.S. Uh, we neglected to talk about this the first episode, so it's probably a good idea to bring it up now, just to just to have it. In the, I think it was the first section of the book. It was mentioned that I think Matron Malice, that is it her? Right. Yeah, I think or so. Or was it the, or was it the one? Was it the top house? Matron? Oh, it might have been the top house when she went to go visit. Yeah, I think it was when she went to go visit. Um, it's mentioned that there was a, a mind flayer, was present, uh, and I, I realized that I should probably ask you about that. Like, like, uh, what do you? How? Are, what does that sound like to you? Um. I I know there was like a night I swear it was a night flare not a night flyer in the Harry Potter got to catch them all Pokemon Go style game. So I Is that imag- a dragon? No, it no. No, I just imagine some sort of big floppy winged thing like a leathery like a big leathery moth that can suck your brain somehow. Hmm. Wow. Well, is it like a big leathery moth? No, oh. no, 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 no. It's like a dude with a squid head. Oh, like a like a like a like a person-sized Cthulhu? No. Well, sort of, but not like buff. If you've ever imagined Cthulhu buff, I've seen I've seen him buff a lot, but I've also seen him not buff. No, this is more like imagine Slender Man with a squid on its head. Okay, that's. What does he what does he do? Does he flay your mind? Yeah. They're they're flay very your much mind. 
and your butt will follow. What? I don't know. It just doesn't that sort of suggest the concept of the butt flare? Like, I mean, why would you, you say you that? You said it, not me. No, you did. You you put the you put the vacuum of that in my head. Don't put vacuums it, in your butt. It, and it had to be filled. Oh. So all I can say is that's something that I think like it's your you're the disturbed one here. I was just asking for clarification. Yeah, it's all. And you were me. like, I'm the one and you were disturbed. like. Ugh, gross. Anyway, uh, no. Mind flare. Mind flares. Um, imagine, I, I think they're like a much darker, scarier version of like the Purple Man. From Jessica Jones. Yes. Okay, okay. So that kind of like mind controlly, also evil, if you will, um, scary people. So it, like any any drow matron having one at her command or her allegiance uh it's pretty significant so so it could, it could have spoken something and and matron malice would have had to follow orders no i don't think that's what's happening because the drow wizards the drow priestesses seem pretty powerful um so my guess is that it's it's probably more like she is using him to go do tasks for her okay they also imagine they kind of look like an ood yeah yeah that, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Especially now that you've got David Tennant in my head, right? Um, but so, do you think this is going to be significant later? Because it's yes. such a significant. I, okay, I think it's going to be a, a, a deeply significant part of the second book. One doesn't just casually mention that there's a mind flare. You could, but I don't think you do in a world that's exclusively populated by one species. Why do you think specifically the second book? Did you read a synopsis or look at No ahead? reason at all. Oh my god, you're doing that thing again. This is like I'm, that this is like that battle cat statue. I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is that eventually all will be revealed. You said you were to... from Spain again. I'm you're just, a liar. I'm along again. for the ride. Uh-huh. And You've not read any of these books, right? No. Hmm. And I've not I've not read any of these books. I've not read any of the synopsises. That is true. <laughs> well, that certainly leaves a world of possibilities, doesn't it? It does. Okay. I'm sure we'll talk about so, this at the end of the second book. So, Dollars to Donuts, he doesn't leave the Underdark in the end of book one, and he definitely involves Mind Flayers in book two. So, uh, we'll talk later. <laughs> okay. That's my. Those are my predictions. Okay. I think it's, it's that's how I should word it. What do these trow eat? Have they mentioned other than a whole bunch of cheaply bought crab legs? Oh yeah, they haven't really talked about that much. No. Okay. I imagine they probably. I don't know. The answer is no. I don't think it's been spoken of. He's not. He doesn't seem to be like bothering with like, <laughs> uh, you know, describing the a lot of the day to day things. But I guess he probably wasn't too ex- uh, too preoccupied with trying to figure out how he could uh get licensing money from selling you know chocolate covered frogs or whatever right it's his loss he's a fucking idiot he should have done it menzo barons and every flavor beans you were so close i didn't do it (laughs) menzo marzaban (laughs) oh shit that's that's ob- that's to me that's the obvious route. Well, 
I don't always do things that are obvious. I wonder, yeah, mental marzipan. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, all Dark right. chocolate well, elves. Okay, I'll take that. All right. I'll take that. Um, trying to think of something to say with the word dr- with drow. Something with peanuts. Drownut brittle. Just make it super simple. Okay. Okay. Well, I got nothing else. So uh, thanks for the PS. And this is really the end of Death Readers. Goodbye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit.